Blog Talk Radio. Right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Your host, Oscar Lopez, alongside the informative Troy Wilson and, all, and Kishi Free. Uh, today we're going to have a great show today. Lined up, uh, college football in the mix, as uh, Mr. Wilson's pretty excited on Twitter. And if you follow him, he's pretty pretty excited out there. And then we're going to have NFL Week 1, which uh, Kishi's totally excited. Cowboys Week 1, uh, NFL action there. And we're going to have some recaps as we get down into about a little bit into the hour. We have recaps from Germany on the playoffs picture in Germany for the women's uh, AF, AFVD action in Germany. And then we'll also have uh, the Gridiron uh, Queensland uh, week uh, three uh, through three weeks of action. We'll recap that. And then we got uh, Gridiron New South Wales, two matchups this weekend coming up. Week one was actually a wash, so everybody gets a tie. They're going to kick off week two. Uh, soon here, so we'll go into that. And at the bottom of the hour, we are going to talk Legends Football League Eastern Conference. We'll recap and dissect that, and then uh, Legends Cup will be next week as well. So, uh, you guys, uh, it's it's here. College football's here. Uh, you guys had Ole Miss yesterday with FSU, and then uh, Week One in the NFL. So pretty exciting times right now in terms of just fanfare with football. It's 24/7 now on TV as well as online. So, um, Troy, I'm pretty sure you, you checked, uh, you were checking out FSU versus Ole Miss, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a great game. Um, you, you gotta get, you know, you gotta take your ass off to the FSU squad because if you follow that team, if you follow their team over the past few years, return to glory, return to their old days. I mean, FSU was, Another one of those blue blood programs that you you know you see year in and year out. They're in title contention as far as for national championships. I mean, so division titles and rivalry wins, wins those those things don't blow their skirt up too much. You, those guys playing for the national t- championship every single season. So to watch the way that they came back against Mississippi, I was actually surprised because they're playing out there with a freshman quarterback. A lot of times you see those young guys kind of get rattled in the big games, the big lights. It was the only game that was going on, so the whole spotlight was on them. And you got to take your hat off to Mississippi, who started off great. They just couldn't finish the job, just way too many mistakes. But it was a great game to watch if you're a fan of college football or if you're not, if you're and you're new to college football. If you watched that game, you became a fan of the sport. I mean, because it was it was knockdown, drag out. It was great hits, big action on offense. 
playmakers on defense. You had everything that you wanted in the football game in that game. Keisha, you get to watch that or no? FSU Ole Miss? No, I did not get to watch any college football this weekend. Um, My little people, my twins, turned 11 this weekend. And so my whole day, and for those who don't know, I also coach cheerleaders. So my whole day was spent watching Pee Wee and AYF League football and coaching with my girls. So my day literally started at about nine something in the morning and we did not leave our field until after three in the afternoon. And then Sunday was the twins birthday. So of course that whole day was dedicated to them and mommy was not allowed to do anything sports related because the world belonged to them. <laughs> so I was playing catch up by listening. Well, that's what I've been hearing. I've been playing catch up by listening to all the sports talk shows and, you know, following everything on Twitter. So it looks like it, it was a crazy wild weekend. Uh, the big one that I've heard everybody talking about was um, a Notre Dame and their loss. Yeah, was, I mean, they, they lost a, a huge game in Texas. Texas is now back on the map. Now, I, I've also sent a tweet out about that. If When Texas is relevant and Texas is winning football games, all is right in college football. I mean, I, I alluded to before the same as Florida State that Texas team is a blue blood program. And to see Charlie Strong, who came over from a Louisville team, he, he got that team also on the map, and Texas wanted to go ahead and take a shot um, after um, after Mac left, after Mac Brown left. They wanted to get that program on the right track. And, the, you know, last year, or the past two years, he really struggled as far as, like, getting that talent on, on track. But Texas, if you're familiar with the, the Texas and, and you know, uh, with just Texas and football in general, the high school scene in Texas is like no other. You know, you watch the movie so Friday true. Night Lights. Right. Friday Night Lights was based on, on the Texas. I mean, so Texas football is huge. So if you're right in the backyard of the probably the hottest hotbed, uh, you know, a big hotbed in recruiting, and Texas is on the map, just imagine how strong that program can become if they continue to, uh, to, to keep winning on this same track. Great game. It was you like high scoring affairs. That was it for you. Went into overtime. It was fifty to forty seven. Texas ended up pulling it out. Uh, swoops. You got man. This kid is a tank. I don't know if you guys remember. I know you probably remember her, Cheryl Swoops. Yes, of course. Oh yeah. Yeah. So her her nephew her nephew is he plays. He's a backup quarterback for Texas. He scored the winning touchdown. Great oh, play. Wow. He, he made a great great play at the end of it, and just to see Charlie Strong celebrate like that and the fans celebrate like they did, beating another, you know, blue blood program as far as Notre Dame. They're probably the blue, uh, the bluest of the blue bloods because Notre Dame is Notre Dame. I mean, so for them to win that game, Notre Dame being ranked number 10, now Texas is vaulted into the top 10 on the map. They're going to have to keep this momentum going and, you know, especially going into that Red River rivalry against Oklahoma later on in the season. Now we got to keep it. Uh, make a note here. Texas hasn't been ranked in a high state since like 2013. So uh, you, you know, give Charlie Strong, Charlie Strong, a lot of credit, like you're saying, Troy, because they they basically have not even been on the map in the last couple of seasons. So this is a good start. Yeah, absolutely. And the the biggest thing that they got was they they got a, a viable starting quarterback. Now Swoops last year. 
he's primarily a runner, not a very good thrower. So you have a true freshman, Shane Bichelle, who really showed out in the spring game. And he got to play in the spring game because it's a typical thing now for high school students to graduate early and enroll early in school. So he enrolled in the, in the spring in the spring semester in Texas. That allowed him to get a lot of prep with the, with the Texas football team. He played in the spring game. He lit it up in the spring game, threw for three touchdowns, almost 300. He threw for over 300 yards in the spring game. And so he went into the season as a true freshman starting quarterback. And when you see stuff like that, the first thing you think of is nerves. I think this guy acquitted himself very well. College football has a new star coming on. His name is Shane Bichelle. Watch out for this kid. Is that the, true, the, the one who they say is a true rookie? Yeah, he's a true freshman. He's a true freshman. Okay, so to, to, freshman. to watch him to, to watch him play on that stage against a Notre Dame team who was very well seasoned. They won a lot of games uh, the past year. They also have that dual quarterback, you know, uh, uh, situation that they have there. And to watch him play on that huge stage and, and just he just really just showed out. You have to be impressed by the way they prepared that team. Now, what is this I'm hearing about LSU? Like, I've been um, – that was all that I was hearing about today um, when I was listening to everything was that Les Miles is really on the hot seat. And I'm like, well – but to my understanding, hasn't it been a battle for the past couple of years between Les Miles and um, Bama? I mean, so why now all of a sudden is he on the hot seat? Well, in college football, um, and, and you you can relate this to pro football. In pro football, you lose a game. People are a little bit upset. But, you know, for the most part, they're saying, hey, you know, we can bounce back. You can probably make the playoffs at an 8-8, eight 9-7 and eight, nine or seven record. That's a possibility. In right. college football, the big programs, they want to compete for the national championship. And a lot of times when you lose that first game, when you lose any game during the season, you've really taken a step back. Now, not so much now because you have the playoff system and you're allowed to have four teams. But what happens is, is panic starts to ensue. Mm-hmm. LSU, and when we talk about blue blood programs, they're also one of them. LSU has won a national championship uh, right. with Les Miles. Uh, they came into the season ranked number five. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate in Leonard Fournette, who is more than likely going to be the very first player drafted next year in the, in the 2017 the running back, draft. Right? Correct. And now, okay. you know, they knew that they had a horse with Leonard Fournette. The problem with LSU in the past few years, is LSU cannot find a quarterback. They cannot find a viable quarterback. So uh, the last, the last really good quarterback that they had was Jamarcus Russell, and you and saw that's how what he I was gonna, out. Okay, that's exactly what I was going to say. And then they won a national championship with Zach Mettenberger, who was also drafted by the Tennessee Titans, and I believe now he's playing for San Diego. So, you know, they, they really – LSU can – they draft the absolute world-class athletes at every single position. You look at all the cornerbacks in the league. You got the Honey Badger. You got Morris right. Claiborne, a place for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you got right. Patrick Peterson, a top-flight cornerback. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., best right. wide receiver in the league right now. They cannot ever recruit a decent, viable quarterback, and no one can understand why. So that's why Les Miles is on the hot seat. And when you're in that FCC, you're competing against Alabama, who has won four national championships in the past six seasons. That's why Les Miles is on the hot seat, because he has to keep up with Alabama. 
Yeah. Troy, well, is it the Zika true. virus? They've got to the quarterback that they can't find a quarterback because of the Zika virus? It, you know, honestly, it's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Because you know I know. What? I'm, just, I'm just joking. Who, who has the same problem as Alabama? Alabama can't find a, a top flight true. quarterback like that. That's true, because I can't tell right you now. one quarterback that came out of Alabama. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you know, you had um, uh, A.J. McCarron, who really played well last year um, uh, after um, – I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, when, Andy, when Andy Dalton went down. Uh, he came in and yep. he played well at the end of the season, but he did get two losses in there. But he he, he played well, and it wasn't his fault that they lost to the Steelers in the playoffs. So he's a decent quarterback, but he is not what you call a top-flight quarterback. You would never draft a quarterback. It's the, the last, like, top-flight quarterback that came out of Alabama was Joe Namath. I mean, so that should tell you the kind of quarterbacks that they've brought in there. Um, but, again, they the same issue. Top-flight recruits every single position with the exception of quarterback, but they get by because they have Nick Saban, who is an absolute uh, defensive genius, and this guy recruits the best of the best on the defensive side. Troy, uh, the one thing that I always mind boggles me during college is, is the fact that it's week one and we're all – everybody, depending on where you're at and what conference, it's like panic button. <laughs> it's like somebody drops like, uh, you know, Alabama is still number one, for example, and then all of a sudden Clemson remains at, at number two and then you got, you know, Florida State. But then all of a sudden you got Houston – who jumps nine spots from 15 to six, uh, you know, after after beating Oklahoma, and then you got the Sooners that drop 11 spot from that loss. So, I mean, you know, for those of us that don't follow colleges often, it's that sort of like puts you in a situation where, like, man, the season's over. You know, it could put you like in depression state or something. Well, I, I think most of the most of the, the the college football fans haven't caught up to the new rules, and and the new rules are that you can get four players into the playoff, and so but still the margin in error the margin for error in college is razor thin. I mean, it's a rarity to find a two lost team going into you know the the final game. So the one thing that Oklahoma has going for them is that they play in a Big Twelve conference. They play some juggernauts coming along the way. Your Texas, your Baylor, your Oklahoma State. You you play those guys. They have Ohio State coming in there two weeks from now into Norman, Oklahoma. That's going to be a huge matchup. Everybody's going to be tuning in. That's definitely going to be the game of the week. But then you had a team like Houston who flew under the radar for the most part last season. Now, they ended up beating the Louisville team, who was the second-best team in their conference, and then Houston won their division, and then they played Florida State in the Peach Bowl. Now, when they beat Florida State, again, a blue blood program, and maybe, you know, people want to sit back and say, you know, Florida State slept through that. No, no way. Houston is for real. They are an absolute for real team. Now, they're not going to get the respect that most of the other programs are going to get because their schedule is not, you know, their, their schedule is not daunting. As a matter of fact, for them to win the game that they won against Oklahoma, if they went out for the rest of the year, you can pretty much pencil them into the playoffs because all the teams in front of them actually play each other at some point. So that's what the huge deal is about Houston. They know what's at stake right now. All they have to do is win every single game, and their schedule was very light except with the exception of Louisville uh, that they had, like, uh, I believe, the second to last game of the season. If Houston wins out, they're in the champs. They're in the playoffs, and that's what the big stink is about. 
So that's my question. What is it again with the schedule? Because, again, we're talking about these blue blood teams, top-ranked teams. What is it then about having these, quote, unquote, weak schedules or not strong schedules, you know, when it comes to these teams? Because, truthfully, if they're all so great, shouldn't they be pushing each other by playing each other in terms of, you know, sort of like how we have the um, division games where we have to constantly challenge each other to see who's going to come out on top. How is it that you have all these top flight teams and they have these quote unquote weak schedules? Well, when it comes to the top flight teams, when you're, when you're talking about your Florida States and your your Alabama's, your LSU, your Michigan, Ohio state, those guys play in big conferences. So they're going to have to play the big teams. Now team like Houston, they play in the American Athletic Conference, which is no way close. It's nowhere close to what you will find in the SEC with LSU, Alabama, the Big Ten with Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. These teams that they're playing in the American Athletic Conference, so the teams that they'll have to play are on the likes of Cincinnati, Connecticut, Navy, Tulsa, SMU, um, Tulane, you know, schools like that. Again, their biggest competitions will be against Louisville, who is ranked number 13. They play them in November, late into November. That right there is typically the game that decides who's going to win that division. Now, because they are in, they are in a major conference, the, the rule is, is that, you know, the, the winner of the, the four major conferences get in unless there's a lesser team who is ranked higher. So what basically what it is is the top four seeds, the top four ranking teams, uh, will get into the playoffs. And if Houston is going to be there, which it looks like they will be because they're ranked number six right now, and if they went out, it's conceivable that, that they will be uh, between one and four, they're going to make the championship. Wow. So really, really it boils down to the, the bigger powerhouse conferences as we did last year when we talked about it, right? It's really a, a, it's really a preference of four, four dominant uh, basic conferences, they're going to get probably the, the bigger the bigger uh, schools to go into the playoff setting, and then you got the lower some of the lower, more impressive conferences based on you know what happens or evolves through the scheduling. Then they they get into the mix at this point, right for the uh, for the FFB bowl the playoffs, right? Correct, because I mean you you know you used to have it used to be six major conferences. Uh, the Big East kind of broke up, so they're they're not as prominent as they, as they used to be. Um, so they don't have the teams that they used to have in there. So um, that that conference kind of broke down, and now it's, it's sort of becoming college football is becoming like a mid-major conference. So you have the Pac-12, you have the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC. On the lower tier, you start to have the Big East, your Conference USA's, your American Athletic Conferences, uh, the Big West Conference. Uh, you know, things like that. So those schools kind of get, you know, if you're not in that top four, they they will give you deference. Uh, you've seen it happen. Uh, but at the same time, they, they really want to get the bigger schools in there because they make for the bigger matchup, which adds up to bigger ratings or bigger ticket sales. Because they don't want to have a team, let's just say, from Louisville, and let's just say if the championship is in Arizona. Well, the Louisville fans may not travel all the way to Arizona, but you know your, you know LSU or your uh, Alabama teams, they're going to travel well. So they want to do it for ticket sales, and that's basically what it boils down to. They won't say that out loud, but that's exactly the problem. 
so at this point, if you had a, if we had to do predictions, I went to ESPN just to check out some of their, you know, their tidbits and stuff like that on the College Bowl. So if you had to do predictions right now in terms of a bowl setting, they have they have Alabama right now currently would be in the Peach Bowl, where Georgia would be in the All-State Sugar Bowl, Texas A&M would go into the uh, the Citrus Bowl, the uh, Ole Miss at the Outback Bowl, and then. Uh, you know, so forth and so forth. So I, I guess this is more of this is what's going to be as week to week goes through, and, and then it's going to give you more of a playoff prediction, just like we do in the NFL, right? Yeah, and, and that's what they'll do. They'll try to project what who will go to what bowl. And, and right now, obviously, if you look at the top the top four teams, they would predict those teams to to be in the playoff race. Uh, you got your Alabama, Clemson at number two, uh, Florida State at number three. Uh, Ohio State and and Stanford and round out when the coaches poll the top five. If you look in the AP top five, Michigan replaces Stanford. Michigan's at number five, a little bit highly over overly rated right now. Michigan has a lot to improve on. They have a they have a new starting quarterback back there, a young kid out of Richmond, and, and they're you know starting off with a new running back as well. So everyone has these young players that they want to bring up. It's just all going to depend on who can gel together and the schedule breaks. And, and also, uh, you know, you you have teams that the schedule can break well for them. To give you an example of how that works is how Iowa last year, uh, they made it to the Big Ten championship game, and they didn't have to play Michigan State. They didn't have to play Ohio State. They didn't have to play uh, Michigan during the season. So that schedule worked out perfectly for them. They went undefeated during the during the regular season. So all of that kind of goes into um, into context about, you know, who's going to come out at the end. Now, you know, a big jumps like, like Houston, you had Houston with a big jump, Louisville up a couple points, uh, Georgia up a couple points. Um, so there's going to be some programs with, with some good upside. So we're going to be keeping an eye on those as well, which is probably within the top ten. Uh, we, we, want to get, we don't want to get too far down, you know, into the, 20, in the top 25 unless – there's a real surprise, you know, uh, change in this, you know, like LSU dropping 16 points or so. But um, it's real early. Right. It's week one. So it's nothing, you know, no panic button. But I did see a lot of memes on Twitter with with a lot of, uh, you know, heart attacks. So, um, but, oh, I mean, oh, it's well, week one. I mean, every, every, <laughs> right. Everybody's I mean, chill, you know Everybody's what I mean? acting like this is the end of, this, end of the season. Exactly. But I do have an interest. But they do have an interesting one, and I know since we are not the people that ever shy away from scandal, so, you know, we already addressed Colin Kaepernick last week, so we cannot talk college football, Troy, without talking how in the name of all that is good and holy that Alabama hires Steve Sarkisian. You got to tell me what is Saban thinking. You you just, you, you got to tell me, because that's just, that whole thing is just crazy to me. And then the fact that I heard he's also trying to sue his former employer, I, I, I'm 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 scratching my head on this whole thing. So you, old college football guru, I'm gonna need you to explain what are they well, doing down well, there in Tuscaloosa? Coaching is a fraternity, and coaches look out for other coaches. When you, it, it, I love to see, I, and maybe I'm just weird when this happens, but one of the best things that I like to see is when you're watching TV and before the game starts is to watch the, the, the opposing head coaches sit around just talking. 
you know, and always wonder what are these guys talking about. But they always have a really good rapport with each other. And I'll give you a, a great example, okay? Um, Michigan, Ohio State. Um, Bo Schembechler was the coach for Michigan, long tenure coach. Um, in Ohio State, uh, they had Woody Hayes. So for years, through the media, these guys back and forth, bickering, hating each other. And it was just like all of a sudden they went to, it was in an off season, and they went to a banquet, and they were together, and all of a sudden they get to talking, and, and then they became the best of friends. Even though, you know, they were at rival schools, schools that hated each other. But they had this mutual respect for each other that, that transcended football. And that's what you have when you have this fraternity of coaches. Now, when you're talking about being a college football coach, there is no more pressure cooker job than being a college football coach at a major in a major uh, conference with with the major team. That is absolute pressure, like you would not believe, because you have you have fans, you have boosters who give your who give your program money, you have kids who may not be you know the kids make stupid decisions. When all of these things go wrong, they come looking at you. So Nick Saban can understand the pressure that Steve Sarkeesian went through when he was caught, you know, uh, he, he was at the banquet and he just was drunk out of his mind. And maybe he had all that pressure because USC is USC, another blue blood program. So coaches understand when, when you know, another coach falls by the wayside. And they would love nothing more than to give a, a, a fellow coach another shot at redemption. In actuality, that's all people want, right? People are going to make mistakes. People are going to make small mistakes. They're going to make big mistakes. But if you can give somebody a second chance to redeem themselves, that also bodes well for them. And then you also have to add into the fact that Lane Kiffin, who is the Alabama offensive coordinator, was also a head coach at USC, and he had um, he had Sarkeesian on his staff at the time. So when he left, Sarkeesian stayed on that staff. So you also have a report there. So it's a favor favors game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's nothing but, wrong with that. You know, it's, it's who you know. Well, okay. So the way you described it, okay, I can totally. I can totally see that, you know, and in that regard, what this, you know, it's less of anything else other than trying to help your fellow man. And, you know, when you put it that way, then I can totally respect the decision because you're right. You never want to see someone, you know, hit rock bottom. There is nothing more frustrating and depressing than to see a talent totally bottom out. And so, if you, you know, if you put it that way, in that regard, it's fine. But I just ha- also have to remember that we're talking about somebody who is leading young men, and we come down so hard on these college kids for being kids that we expect them in college to behave like they are 35, 40-year-old CEOs, you know, running corporations, and we expect so much out of them and their behavior that I just want to make sure that and somehow these redemption stories were also not being disingenuous. And, and you know what? That's an absolute fair point because let's just, let's just be honest here. When you are a scholarship athlete at a university, I don't care how big the university is, 
if you are a scholarship athlete, your job, and you have a job, your job is to play football. Now, they expect you to keep a, you know, you know, your academic standing up to whatever the, the level is, okay? But your job is to work for that university as a football player. Your job is to bring in revenue. And so you are, as you said, you know, part of a, a company. And you are, if you as a football player, you are one of the, you know, you are one of the spokespeople for that, for that uh, company. And so you do have to be held at a higher standard, and I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, when these kid, when you see these kids getting in trouble, a lot of times that's not the first time that they got in trouble. A lot of things in college football get swept under the rug just because of this very reason. Okay. So I'll give you an example, and this is not necessarily sweeping it under the rug as in someone's being nefarious, okay, because at Notre Dame, which is a Catholic university, um, they they put an emphasis on academics. They put an emphasis on, on having integrity. But even at that school, uh, if you get caught having marijuana, that's not a punishable offense on the first offense, okay? So if you hear a student or a student athlete being thrown out of Notre Dame because he was caught with marijuana. That wasn't the first time. And and so a lot of times we just react and we say, oh, man, he made one mistake and he just kicked him out. No, this this is a, you know, a, a continuous thing. And they get to the point where they just say, we're just going to go ahead and cut our losses. So a lot of these problematic kids that you see, they're making the headlines for making stupid mistakes. They're making continuous stupid mistakes. And it's that that's the same thing with Sarkeesian as well. Because it's not the first time that he was caught, you know, drunk out of his mind or something. You know, it's not the first time. And they get to the point where they just had to say, you know, let's go ahead and cut bait. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that's perfect sense. Yeah. It just is, you know, yeah. there's obviously accountability that has to be taken into account. And if you're not going to – it's a lot of pressure. I mean, I, I still think it's a lot of pressure because, you like, Tunkishi, you're not getting – paid as a pro athlete but you're basically the perception is because it's a big program or a big school or you're on a major network uh you know the stakes are higher for you to be sort of you know coiled in and and be uh reserved to certain things and when that happens you know when you get caught with other things or you do like to her point they're young kids and they make some sort of big mistake it just it just kind of ripples everything. As Tori, you're making the point here, it, it it causes this huge chaos internally from coaching to the faculty to the boosters to I mean it, it's it's almost like parents, you know, when your kid does something wrong or or get commits a crime, you know, it, it's like an earthquake just shakes the whole family. Yeah, yeah, and and you know the the other part about college that is just so odd, and so most of us we think of NCAA. The NCAA is actually separate from the universities. They're just a governing body, okay? So that also adds to it because you have someone who is supposed to be independent of the universities directly affecting the universities when discipline is being handed down or not handed down in what the NCAA would consider this is a a fair punishment. And I'll give you this example. If it comes out that a player was, uh, you know, caught shoplifting and 
the coach says, you know what, I think a fair punishment is that you sit out the first half. If the NCAA decides that's not enough, they can add games to that. So what a lot of schools do to prevent the NCAA from coming down on hard, hard on them is to hand out the punishment first. And so when you see that, that, that mixes up a lot of things because, I mean, again, they're directly affecting what could be your revenue. If you're an Alabama team and they decide to go ahead and bench your best player, you've really just, you know, messed up millions of dollars for, you know, and you're, and you're a company who doesn't have anything to do with those universities. So that system right. is, to me, it's a little bit broken. I wish they would go away from the NCAA. I just think that they they kind of muddle things up a little bit. And so that governing body part of it, I don't sit with, it doesn't sit well with me, but for some reason that they still keep them around. And I have no idea why, honestly. So the, so at this point, um, it's really the jury, right? The judge and the jury is, is the, the NCAA umbrella. Because I, as far as I can tell from the last couple of years, the conference itself or the commissioners of the conference, as to your point, are the ones that truly will decide the punishment for the school. And then the NCAA will sort of overview everything that was done. And if they feel like they need to add more punishment, uh, then they, they basically rule or overrule the conference. That's usually how it works yeah, exactly in the last right. couple of years. Exactly right. Right. Um, so, Troy, um, let's go with top five next week. What are we looking at top five? Obviously, you know, the big conference, the SEC, it's a big conference, Alabama being number one, looking at that. So, and then you got Georgia. Uh, so, I mean, there's a, a lot of teams ranked uh, from that conference in, in high state also. But the uh, SEC East is basically where everybody kind of focuses on primarily. And then, where else are we going at this point? Is Houston going to continue their drive? Based on their schedule, you're saying they they obviously have a you know a way to get into the the dance. And then you have uh, number five Michigan. Um, they're going to be playing, I think, USF. So a lot of the schools, you know, within the within the what first five weeks are really, uh, you know, if they play their schedule right and do do right, they they get into that stage of last year, like we got into you know, the late uh, weeks where everybody's undefeated because they're not playing each other within, within a certain conference schedule. Uh, but, you know, they're obviously every game matters because it's on the line to just make the playoffs. Yeah, well, I mean, are you still there, Troy? Yeah, I sound like we're losing him. Yeah, we're losing you. No worries. Um, But, no, what I'm I'm saying is we're getting to focus on certain things. So um, are we more in tune to focus on the AP poll or the coaches poll? What's your preference? My preference is typically the AP poll, and that because that's the one that has really the most weight, uh, if you think about it, when it comes down to it. They they, they both – they formula when they're trying to find out who's going to be in the playoffs. But I kind of take AP poll. Um, I think that's the more fair poll, but you have the coaches poll. Just think when you have the coaches poll, they're a little bit biased. You know, they'll vote their friend's team up a little bit higher, or they'll vote a right. They won't vote a rap team 
you know, you know, so I just think, I mean, and let's, you know, let's, let's be honest here, the AP is biased as well because they also have their favorites, but I just think the AP is less biased, so that's why I typically veer toward the AP poll. All right, so next, uh, this coming week, uh, still early, so there's, what, 14 teams ranked after one game, so you have Alabama number one, which, uh, you know, we, I mean, obviously they deserve it uh, with the good defense and Jalen Hurts progressing as a good quarterback, so that, you know, we'll keep an eye on them. They got Texas A&M ranked at number two, pretty dominant defensive performance against uh, the Aggies, uh, and uh, I mean for the Aggies, and then uh, obviously they they were going up against I think UCLA, so they win in overtime. Um, so you know keep an eye on on them, Texas A&M. Then Georgia number three, uh, which at this point, I mean they they got a pretty good backfield with uh, Nick Chubbs based on my notes that I have here. Um, so they could be competing in the in the uh, in the East. Um, Ole Miss. On the first quarter and a half, I mean, they look like the best team in that conference. Um, but then all of a sudden, you know, things just kind of changed. So uh, they blew a 28-6 to lead against Florida State, uh, which, you know, that's – if you do that, you're, you're basically you – you're going to be in trouble week to week. So then you got Florida State at number five um, for the Gators. Then you got number six, Tennessee. And then – you have we'll run up the top ten here. We got LSU. Um, apart from uh, you know uh, Leonard Fournay's uh, performances, uh, you know the loss to Wisconsin here, Arkansas, the Razorbacks. They get a scare from uh, Louisiana Tech in the fourth quarter touchdown to to edge uh, edge that win. And then Auburn, and then South Carolina. So we'll probably end up focusing on top five. Uh, week to week, that because that makes it more interesting for us to kind of dissect and dive into each team versus having to go through the whole poll. As we get towards the playoffs, and obviously it's going to make more more of a, a conversation where we need to probably deal with top ten. But for the first couple of weeks, I think maybe we do top five, and then as we get deeper, obviously top ten, and then as we get towards the end, obviously the the top twenty five is going to matter even more because then uh, teams are going to fluctuate from bottom top or you know, top to bottom at this point. So um, what is the, what are the games? Let's, let's go three games that we, we need to look forward to and follow on Twitter, if that's the case, if you're on Twitter. If you're on – obviously, most people aren't, aren't on Facebook. They're probably online. But for the most part, if you're on Twitter, what's, what is the, the games that we need to focus on, the three to, uh, top three games next week? Well, next week you have um, at Crystal Speedway, which is a great, great place to have a football game. You have number 17, Tennessee. Uh, they'll be at home against Virginia Tech. Now, playing at Bristol Motor Speedway, what you've effectively done is turn a racetrack into a football field. So that football field will now, that stadium will now be able to seat 155,000 fans to watch that game. Just for the wow. alone. It's going to be an awesome, awesome game. But I'm looking forward to seeing how Tennessee bounces back. They had a lot of trouble with uh, Appalachian State. You, if you anybody remembers Appalachian State, they beat my team, Michigan, back in 2007. They were the first 1AA team to upset a, a ranked big school, which was a great moment. And they almost did it again against Tennessee because Tennessee was ranked as well. 
So Virginia Tech is going to Tennessee. It'll be at 8 o'clock on ABC at Bristol Motor Speedway. It's just going to be a fantastic atmosphere up there. Anytime you have college football, it's going to be a great atmosphere. So definitely looking forward to that one. And the next one would be what? What is the next game we would look for? Not too many big games on the slate, but you do have some uh, early games coming up. You do have number 13, Louisville. They're going to Syracuse. Uh, that's going to be an early season matchup for them. Uh, Syracuse is trying to get back to their, you know, to the old ways of doing things when they had Paul Pascaloni there. You know, Donovan McNabb was roaming the sidelines. So, I mean, they, they're trying to get back to it. But it's going to be a tough uphill battle. Louisville comes in highly ranked. They're ranked number 13. That should be an easy contest for Louisville up on the road. Definitely looking forward to them playing. I want to see how a lot of these schools bounce back from from defeats. Uh, Notre Dame is going to be at home against playing against Nevada. Uh, they're going to have to right the ship. They're going to have to get that defense shored up. There's no way. They they planned on competing for a national championship, and they just got 50 points put up on a, on a Texas team who struggled moving the ball last year. So they're they're definitely looking to right the ship. So I want to make sure, I want to see what happens when Notre Dame goes back at home against an outman Nevada team. And of course we have to watch Alabama, but uh, I'm pretty sure they're not going to have any trouble with their week two opponent at this point. But uh, you never know, right? Uh, yeah, we know this one. They're they're going to destroy Western Kentucky. It's not even going to be close. It's just, I mean Alabama is as close as you can get as Goliath. Uh, and just they will not lose to a smaller school. They just won't. Nick Saban has that team so focused, but they'll come in and they'll respect Western Kentucky. They won't disrespect them at all, but, you know, they're just going to run roughshod over them with respect for Alabama to win by 50 or 60 points. And that that one's going to be on ESPN, too. Uh, The other ones you can find on ABC, as Troy mentioned. So we'll look forward to that. We'll end up recapping – those three games probably next week and see what we did with them. Obviously, Alabama's kind of a shoe-in, but uh, the other ones, and then we'll go into detail with any upsets, anything that stood oh, okay. out in week two. And if you guys want, like, interstate rivalries, the one game you would want to check out is Iowa State-Iowa. They do not like each other at all. That's a good early season uh, matchup between, uh, you know, two interstate rivals, so that's another game to watch out for. Awesome. All right, so um, let's go into the NFL. And, Kishi, we're going to throw the ball to you this week because last week we started with Troy with his Redskins and the preseason mentality. This week we're going to start with you because no Romo, and we got brand-new quarterbacks. So uh, what's your gut feeling here going into week one? My gut feeling is so strong that I actually got that Prescott starting for my fantasy football team. And we're going against the New York Giants. And I'm going to tell you, because what I saw from this young man, and that was a tough one to to pick him, not just because, you know, I'm clearly, you know, Cowboys fan, but um, I was trying to go between Dak Prescott against the Giants or um, Mariota against Minnesota. And I think, I, yeah, because I think Tennessee's playing Minnesota. Um, but the thing about it is either that or the um, Cincinnati Bengals. Right now, Minnesota is weakened and everything because clearly they were in the same situation. But I just like, you know, I just like our quarterback. I think he's stronger. And I think 
he also has better offensive weapons because the reality is even if he's not ready to throw the ball, you know, like a Romo, we've got Zeke who can run it. If he throws up a couple of good lobs, we've got Witten on one side. You know, we got Dez on the other side throwing up those X's. I'm all right. The defense is what scares me. You know, our defense is ranked like 28 or 30. And that is what's going to be the killer for our team, especially when we got to come to D.C. for the second week. So that one I think is actually going to be a really good um, battle. And I think that the Redskins-Cowboys game this year is going to be one of the best it's ever been because I think that our offense is going to give the Skins defense total fits and vice versa, even because you guys got um, one of the best, well, top five tight ends, you know, in the league right now. And your quarterback isn't too shabby either. So we're so you're you're already picking the Redskins to win a division. Yeah, you lost your mind. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. I shall do no such thing. Did I screw that That's up? Did I listen correctly on that? <laughs> I simply said it's going to be a really good game, and it is going to be uh, one of the better battles between our two teams in the past couple of years. Because really, the games have been yeah. so lame. The scores have been so low. They almost stink to watch them. It's just because of the history of the rivalry that you watch, but not because you actually cared so much about the outcome because the quality of what was put on the field was so terrible. This year, I think we really are going to have a really good evenly evenly matched teams on both sides, and I'm ready for a shootout. I'm ready for a battle. If this if If this game – does not go over 25 points and be hot. Troy, what do you think? Um, okay, so with the game coming up against the Giants, I just think Dak Prescott, I just think really he's going to light the Giants up. I just, I mean, I've been saying it all week. And, you know, everybody's got him in trash. I mean, you, what are you rooting for the Cowboys? Listen. I like football, okay? So when I watch football and I see what I see, I just have to go with my gut feeling it. And the Giants haven't shown me anything defensively that they can do to to stop this team. I, I just I – mean, the Giants have struggled on defense for, for years now. The, the, the years of them having their stout defensive line is over. Their linebackers have never been, you know, anything special. Um, they're still struggling in, in, in the secondary. I just think this is prime area for Dak Prescott to come out and gain confidence going into the season that he's the guy. And I think this will also be able to carry over to 2017 because I think they will feel much more easier with him at the helm than they will Romo. Romo's 37, 38 years old. 36. I just think something like that. You know, he's put it like this. He's got as many gray hairs as I do. So he's out. (laughs) it's, It's about time. So I, and then with, right. the, with the Cowboys players that are suspended, you got Rolando McClain, yeah. um, Randy Gregory just had his suspension. Uh, I think just uh, decreased from ten to four from games. Ten to four games. Yeah, he just got his. Yeah, so I mean, 
you know, and, and Demarcus Lawrence, I think he's going to be suspended as well. So yeah, for about four games. Also, I think I think we literally have like four, we I know we have four players on defense that are suspended, and I think they are all going to be suspended between four to six games. So that's going to have a huge impact on what's happening on the defensive front. And because yeah. of we're lacking that so strongly, Sean Lee is Superman, but good Gord, he can't do it all by himself. And the other part of the problem is that we have really struggled when it comes to two positions on defense, safety and cornerback. Those two positions have just not been strong for us on defense because we've not been able to handle the deep threat worth squat. Once someone gets a little bit of breakaway from either one of those defenders, it's almost like open house. And I'm like, good God. It's only because we were halfway decent on the, you know, the front line that we were able to do any plugging. But that's why we need Sean Lee up there. We need the general up there so that he can go on ahead and, and man those troops because the backfield lacking sorely. But hey, so uh, so uh-huh. not to cut you off, the Cowboy fans. I really want you guys. I really want to know this, okay? And Keishi, I want you to be for real. Tell All me, right. stop me, stop me when you've heard these names, okay? Oh, Jack God. Crawford, Terrell McClain, Tyrone Crawford, David Irving, Anthony Hitchens, Kyle yes. Wilbur. Kyle Wilbur? No, Hitchens. And one of the okay. um, one of the other ones that you said in the beginning, but you were going fast. So go ahead. Probably Tyrone Crawford, and then Sean yeah. Lee. That's yeah. the def- that's that's going to be the Dallas Cowboys front seven, going in yeah. against the New York Giants and Eli Manning. It's but you going know what though? Be ugly on your defense. Yeah, but, here, but you know what? It might be ugly. But here's the beauty: they're two best players. And I'm not even count. They're two best players. You got, um, oh Lord, Odell Beckham Jr. Victor yep. Cruz practically missed all of last season, so he's not going to be in top shape. And I don't care what anybody says. Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. There is something missing in their chemistry. The chemistry that Romo and Witten have, and the chemistry that Romo and Dez have. It's almost like those they're so symbiotic that they, you know, when they are playing on the field. I don't see that between Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. And you've got one of the best wide receivers in the league. Granted, he, Odell Beckham puts up good numbers, but he puts up good numbers because of who he is, not necessarily because of anything that is happening between him and Manning. There is a huge disconnect. And the other thing we also have to factor in, too, is that the Giants are coming into the season with a new um, head coach. Well, he's a new Cost- head coach, but he was their he was their offensive coordinator last year. So yeah, but you and I both know. Yeah, but you and I both know. Offensive coordinator is not the same thing as head coach because now he's got to be able to handle everything. I mean, isn't that what everybody said about uh, Gruden coming in and that he was going to be able to turn RJ yeah. around? But guess what? He but, couldn't uh, do it because he couldn't just focus on you know, him. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to take the Redskins no matter what in this in this in this division because oh, unless no. Prescott yeah. balls out, yeah. unless Prescott balls out, uh, you got to take Washington first and foremost because Cousins is a little more stable. Manning, to your point, Kishi, the receiving core there is not so – I mean, it's great they have a receiving core. They even added, I think, uh, Sterling Shepard. But and, yes. and until they can put it together and, new co- and a new coach, 
Um, so you're looking at a lot of question marks just in New York. You have potential in Dallas because with Prescott and Ezekiel and everybody getting together there offensively, they would have to carry that team. So there's an opportunity there where they would have to carry that team until, you know, you stabilize the defense. Um, so, I mean, at this point, Eagles, I mean, I don't even know about the Eagles at this point. I mean, I think they've already, they've already, they've already put the coffin in for next season. All their, yeah, all their, I, all their changes I, that they've done the last week or two. I was I mean, totally they're not even thinking by that. I'm like, what in the world? Now, what I found you know what so I mean? funny like, was that like, uh, Sam Bradford kicked off? screamed. No, seriously, Sam Bradford kicked, screamed, and hollered, nope, you're not going anywhere. Nope, you're not going anywhere. And now, all of a sudden, where is he? He's in Minnesota. That was absolutely crazy to me. So the reality is they obviously That's what I'm saying. That what I'm, that's what I'm talking about right now, that you have so Tony crazy. Romo's injury and questions all across the roster there in Dallas, uh, including both in New York and Philadelphia. So that only leaves Washington as the favorite to win this division and repeat. So, uh, no. you know, I know it pains you to admit this, but it's only week one. No. So it's, we're just talking speculation here. So and Washington would probably be the favorite in the East, of course. Well, you know what? what speak, speaking of Washington, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good-looking team right there. Um so we look good on the, the, the passing side. You know, throwing the ball, I, don't, I really don't think it would be a problem. You have Jordan Reed, who to me is a top three tight end in the NFL. Uh, Kirk Cousins, up and coming. A lot of people are down on him for some reason, like he's, he's going to be a one-year wonder. I, I really don't see that. I really see this guy being consistent. I think he's going to be consistent for the rest of his career. Is, is that going to translate to Super Bowl? I think that depends on the parts around him. I don't want to start talking Super Bowl. All I want to see is progression. That's all I care about right now. Um, That's all you're going to get. Our, our, our issue is going to be on the defensive side. So yeah. we're opening up, and our defensive line not really exciting me at all. I mean, we do have Chris Baker. You have, um, you know, you have uh, Golston, who's a holdover. He's been there for about 11 years. So, you know, you we have some parts there, but they're not anybody that anybody's scared of. So people no. can run on it. So you guys people can run on the rest. You guys have said it uh, you guys have said it before, this division is literally up for grabs in a lot of ways. It really you is. Know, if you take Philly if but you it, take Philly it, out of the equation really right now mm. you know, then it's up for grabs for three teams. It's got yourself, Dallas and and New York. And New you know, York is allowed to get the team last year, so Really, nobody's talked about New York this year, and I will tell you, and Troy can tell you from experience, when nobody is talking in, about New York and when New York is not in the conversation, that's when, sadly, they're at their most dangerous because nobody's checking for them. Troy, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Whenever, whenever there is there is such a sleeper, and that's why, you know, I know that I think that and I believe that Prescott is going to totally ball out this weekend but that doesn't mean that I'm going to turn a blind eye to them. But I will tell you who I am who I am looking for this year and who I think is going to be a nice little sleeper team. So my two sleeper teams this year, believe it or not, are Buffalo, Tampa Bay. I honestly believe that Tampa Bay, you know, is, is because they've got a good core. Of course, there's the whole upheaval, you know, getting rid of Levy Smith, which I just totally think was crazy to do that last year. But – my, uh, my, okay, so my sleeper teams are Buffalo, and in no particular order, Tampa Bay, the Oakland Raiders, and believe it or not, 
your Rams. Those are four of my sleeper teams this year. If, if Fisher falls off the face of the earth, then we got a chance. Till then, <laughs> we're sleeping. Um, just don't have it in them. You know what I mean? Just I, I just don't. I hope they are because I really hope that they they'll excite the season with us. But I don't know. Um, you know what? Uh, Keisha, almost time almost time for you to bail. So let's go let's go quickly here. In the north, uh, do we agree with since uh, Bridgewater's injury? Do we agree that Bradford isn't going to elevate the Vikings to that division title? And given that Jody's back with uh, Aaron Rodgers, we're looking at Green Bay probably, right? Absolutely. Would you agree with that, Troy? Want... Oh, did we lose him? Let me see if we lost him here. Yeah. Okay, here no, I'm, I'm, Sorry, with, yep, I'm at... Oh, yeah, I'm here. All right. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm, we're I'm talking at... NFC North, so I would say what, Green Bay? Um, I think Green Bay has a shot because you got Aaron Rodgers, but do not, do not discount the Minnesota Vikings. Yes. Well, and here's here's why I say that. Well, Last because year, of course Teddy they got Bridgewater, the best running back in the world. Well, they do, right? And they have they have that guy back there, but they also have Stephon Diggs, who was a six round rookie last year out of Maryland, uh, and he just lit it up. He hit that rookie wall, wall though. I think this year he's more accustomed to the NFL game. You added Laquan Treadwell that you picked him up out of Mississippi. He's a rookie. He's a huge, big receiver. Um, so it would take a lot of the pressure off of him because that's all they could go to. Kyle Rudolph, they're, I think they're going to use him more. Now, we talked about Bradford, who was now traded there. Teddy Bridgewater last year was the 28th-ranked quarterback in the NFL, and that team went 11-5. and I think Sam Bradford is a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. And a lot of people can scoff at that, but you can look at the numbers and just look at it. If Bradford it's hard to look was, at his numbers. He isn't on the field long enough to see anything. But he, he last year, he played in Philadelphia. Uh, I think he played 13 games, 14 games, and he was solid. He was solid in those games. He was not a bad quarterback. I mean, but it's, it's Philadelphia. They're horrible. That's just that's just what they do. They lose it's, games. It's, it's going to be the handoffs. In Minnesota, it's going to be the handoff to Peterson for the hardcore uh, yardage. And to your point, uh, Troy, it's going to be using the receiving cores for the big plays. If they can do that and keep it somewhat balanced, uh, they will be in the mix because the only obstacle will be Green Bay. I don't think Chicago is going to be in the mix. And, um, And so, you know, Detroit is always up and down. And now that they don't have Megatron, uh, I don't think Golden Tate's going to fill those shoes either. So, so we're ta- I'm taking forget. Green Bay. Who are we taking in the North? Absolutely. Don't forget Minnesota I'm, has a top flight defense either. But I'm taking. Green. We're not True, forgetting, course. but I'm totally <laughs> going Green. Yeah, I'm totally going Green Bay for the NFC North. I'm totally going Green Bay. Tell you now for the NFC East, I'm going Dallas. Tell you now so in the, for the NFC East. In the South, in the South, are we taking um, Newton's team at this point, or? Because I, I just I just think that they're the best team there uh, unless New Orleans somehow steps up. Uh, I just don't see Atlanta no, really definitely. doing much. No, I'm you know definitely I mean? going Panthers. And then you know uh, the uh, Saints just cut um, Cortland Finnegan. Right. Yeah, he exactly. didn't even make the – so, yeah, there's too much so, upheaval in New Orleans still. Definitely going Panthers in the I, NFC South. I – I and and you got Kelvin Benjamin and you got Devin Funchins there, so it's like he still has weapons. He has Ted Ginn also, and he also has Greg Olson. So he's got a lot of weapons, yes, yeah, he does. Olson. But, right. He's but got I, a lot of weapons I'm there. Thinking, so I guess 
You're taking Panthers. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Say what? Uh, Where are you at? Yes. Listen, the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, they were the number five offense in the NFL. If they can get any semblance of a defense, and they do have some pieces. They got Gerald McCoy yep. on the defensive line. Um, uh, you got my guy, um, I forgot his name, linebacker out of Nebraska. He's flying around. If they can get some play out of the secondary, they're going to challenge the Panthers. Just remember, the Panthers came out of nowhere also. They came in last year, I mean, the season before that, the Carolina Panthers had a losing record going into the playoffs. They were not a juggernaut, and all of a sudden they came out 15-1. and one. This is the NFL. You're going to have a lot of parity. I'm taking Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is my sleeper team also, and I just think that they're – Jameis Winston is going to make a leap into stardom this year. Um, so is, that uh, is, is, uh, Maddie, is Maddie Ice very cold now? I mean, like literally cold? Because very cold. nobody's even talking about Atlanta at this I mean, point. He's I, mean, getting, I mean, he's getting out of Julio the Jones back. He's getting Julio Jones back, which is going to be good for him. But here's the thing. If you have to rely specifically on one player on your offensive team to carry you, then that does not say much. Because as much as we don't like the evil empire, look at what Brady does systematically with no-name players. I mean, literally, who heard of Julian Edelman realistically outside of Ohio. I mean, he was at Kent State as a quarterback, and he comes in, he turns it around, and look at where – that's all we hear now is Julian Edelman. So what Brady is able to do is no-name quarterback. So the fact that the um, Falcons literally collapsed offensively last year without Julio Jones does not speak well for their QB. Well, they still had Devontae right. Freeman, who was a great running back last year. He made a lot of big plays for them. And then you also have yeah. to add into the fact that they brought in Muhammad Sanu out of Cincinnati. They're going to be much better at that number two receiver where they were going back and forth with Roddy White and probably the worst just – oh, God, the, the number two situation in Atlanta was horrible. Muhammad oh, yeah. Sanu instantly upgrades that wide receiver position. Oh, yeah. So we're taking we're taking Panthers. Sleeper is uh, – you said Atlanta, right? Or, I mean, uh, Sleeper is uh, Tampa Bay for you, right, Troy? I did, yep. Yep, we both picked Tampa right. Bay as a sleeper, but I'm still going with the Panthers to come out of that division. I just think that so in the West, going to give them a run for the money. So in the West, we're looking at uh, two-team race again. Would it be Seattle and Arizona? I think Arizona a little bit more dangerous this time around, but uh, you can't you know you can't uh, count out Seattle. You got uh, San Francisco in influx with quarterback situations. You got Los Angeles in influx where you got too many question marks there. A lot of talent in Los Angeles. Uh, in San Francisco, you got new coach with a new system, which could bode well for them too because what it, what he's done in Philadelphia. But if I had to give this division or you know a team to this division, I would I, I think I'm gonna have to go with Arizona. I'm going I completely Seattle. Agree. I, I'm going Arizona. I just think that they have they have three running backs that can start for pretty much any team in the NFL. They have three wide receivers who can start for any team in the NFL. The defense flies around. They create turnovers left and right. And you could say the same thing for Seattle, but how are they going to adjust for, for now Marshawn Lynch being out of there? And they're going with a two-headed running back with, with Kristen Michael and Thomas Rawls. If they, can they share the load and that be effective for them? 
San Francisco is definitely coming in last. (laughs) San Francisco is coming in last. It's not even close with that one. Right, no. And that's why I said the Rams are going to be the sleeper team only because nobody expects anything out of them. So if the Rams even go 8-8 this year. I would say 9-7. Maybe no. nine and seven or eight and eight again. No, I can see them going eight and eight. But in all honesty, going eight and eight is okay considering all of the changes. You know what I'm saying? Because the reality is, with everything and all the question marks, like you said, how many people even have them going eight and eight? So they're still my sleeper team. Yeah, I'm definitely going Seattle because of exactly what Troy said. People are not expecting much out of the two running backs in terms of splitting the load. I actually like that idea because that way you're not browbeating both of your um, running backs into the ground. Because that's, you know, that's one of the problems is people tend to get this one workhorse and then they run it. And in all honesty, I don't even want my Cowboys to do that with Ezekiel Elliott. Yes, it's beautiful. We have this gorgeous Porsche, but I, I, I need to not run him like he's a Toyota. You know, right. and I, I think they're so. I, I, so I in the, trying to do let's that. Let's move on to the FC. Go ahead, finish up. No, I think they're. I think they're doing that because Thomas Rawls is coming off an injury, but they do like Kristen Michael, so they can't really decide who they want to go with. And as your point, Keishi, I don't think they want to run Thomas Rawls into the ground. They want to get him acclimated pretty early. I think that situation is going to kind of work itself out as the season goes along. So now if we go to the AFC the AFC um, division, we go to the north, and the, the Bengals were so surprising last year, but they choke almost every year. Cleveland, sort of a question mark on what we're going to see there. And then you have uh, Baltimore, who's always tough. And so Pittsburgh seems to be the team, even with suspensions, even with uh, you know Bell and uh, Bryant being out, their defense is usually really good. So um, is this – I mean, I would have to take Pittsburgh at this point with Roethlisberger, but Cincinnati has just been a huge disappointment in the last couple seasons. Um, I'm going to have to go with Cincinnati, and and this is why. They still have Tyler Eifert, who has moved up into the upper echelons of quarterbacks. A.J. Green, one of the best wide receivers in the game. If Andy Dalton did not get hurt, the Cincinnati Bengals go to the Super Bowl last year. I am completely convinced of that. I think this is the year. I think this is the year that they get over the hump. They're a better offensive team than the Pittsburgh. Not the Pittsburgh. They're right on par with Pittsburgh's offense, but they're a better defensive team than Pittsburgh is. I think Baltimore, they're, I, I just think that they don't have enough weapons at the wide receiver position. How is, is Steve Smith going to come back from that Achilles injury? How is he going to come back? All right, what are they expecting from him? I would never bet against that guy ever in life. He's the toughest guy I've ever seen in my life. I know, you know, I know the I know the Bengal defense is is pretty much, you know, it's stacked. Their offense is it, it's really just about Dalton at this point. But if they if they can put it together, obviously they can surprise. No question there. But uh, given given what they've done in the past, I mean, I think the, you know the Steelers probably have the fewest question marks, even with their even with Labelle out. Offensively, I think they're just better than that regard. So, uh, I'm taking Pittsburgh. You're taking Cincy. Uh, and Keisha, you're taking who? 
I am going with Troy, and I'm going Cincy. All right. So we got Bengals once again. And are they going to choke in the playoffs? That's the question now. They can win the division. No. I don't think anybody questions no. that. It's can they get I, deep I, into the I playoffs? I totally agree with you. I think that if they it. had not been for the Andy Dalton injury, you know, I honestly think that the division was there and deeper? I'm with him. Oh, my God, yes, they would have gone deeper. And besides, they kind of have to because – if as we talk about hot seats, if anybody is on the hot seat, which while I'm excited that he still has a job, Marvin Lewis to me in some ways is like the Teflon Don. Like he still has a job. Whereas in Tampa Bay, they didn't even give Levy Smith half the time, not even a fourth of the time. He had what two years into I would a three year Levy contract. Smith, I would take any other coach but Fisher in Los Angeles right now. Marvin Lewis in Los Angeles. I mean, come on. That would be, like, great. Oh, my God. I'm so bitter at Fisher, but I, I have to admit that I am truly bitter. I'll just have to be up front with it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Ram fans that you do, do not like our coach. Personally, I think he's a great guy. But, uh, for you know, for purposes in terms of coaching, probably, the you know, his tenure is just bad. It's mediocre coaching, and he still has the job. Anywhere else. In this National Football League, whether it be New York, Chicago, and look at Tampa Bay, you're getting rid of Smith, who did pretty well. I'll take, I'll take Smith from Illini right now to coach the Rams. I'm pretty sure he'd take care of it. Damn. I'm going back to hashtag Fire Fisher as soon as the season starts within five games. And if they're, if they're crappy, I'm putting my banner back up on my Facebook page, and I'm like full pro Fire Fisher. That's it. <laughs> I might even I might even create a shirt and show up in LA with the Fire Fisher shirt, right? Walk in and real proud. Can oh, this guy? Can this guy? It's not can we have this guy? Can we can this guy? That's literally the attitude now. Um, oh God! Anyways, uh, oh, let's, God. Re- let's digress okay. because it's only week one, and I don't want to go into this college football tirade. Uh, no, Erica, you got to me already. This is a rant. I this know. is a rant now. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. Where did we start? Okay, so we were AFC North. Okay, so AFC East, believe it or I know that Brady's coming back. Yay, yay, happy, happy, joy, joy. Um, I'm, hey, I'm really hey, you know what? Uh, what's her name? Erica, Erica Lynn is happy, happy, joy right now, just to let you know. <laughs> I know, I know. Honestly, because of Brady being out for those four games, honestly, I don't know. I really think this is another toss-up league. The AFC East and the NFC East, well, I don't know what it is about these East teams. We're really two toss-up um, divisions right now. But I really want to go Buffalo Bills. I know the defense is eh, but I'm really what? looking forward to see what I did. I'm waiting. Wait a minute. What, I'm what saying, drink I'm are you on? What I, drink I are you on? See what Tyrod, I want to see what Tyrod Taylor can do. Oh, my God. And Kishi, if Erica yes. was here, you'd be crucified. I know that. I know that. She hated the Jets. She hated the Jets, and guess what? Her next team would have been hated, the Buffalo Bills, just because of I know. the Lion Brothers. Sexy Rexy. I know, and they've got both oh of them God. together. I'm so excited. Oh I cannot wait to see what <laughs> Buffalo does. Oh, best to believe, I'm going to get some nasty text messages. <laughs> After tonight, but I don't care. Oh boy! I'm going if she's listening, you'd be getting a tweet. Just to be a contrarian. 
All right. Um, All right. I... <laughs> go ahead. Wow. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Oscar. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, I'm taking New England all the way, and Buffalo not even in the question, not even in the mark, not even. I, you know, the Ryan brothers are all hype and no results. That's really what it boils down to, whether you're in New York, whether you're – they're nothing like their dad, nothing like their dad. If they can put a beastly no. off, uh, defense on the field, I would be shocked. I'd probably go kiss their feet at this point if they did that. Stinky feet they there. have. But anyways – if they can put no, a defense in Buffalo, feet. you cannot talk about feet and Rex Ryan in the same what conversation. That's what I'm talking about. So <laughs> Buffalo, I mean, I know that they're a good team, they're evolving, but I don't think they have enough to even with without Brady. All they got to do is be basic. Belichick's gonna have to be basic run game for, and and they only face I think what two division opponents while he's gone. Right. He owns a division. There's just no way that they're he gonna does. not. They're just. Yeah, they own it. But you know what, though? The two teams teams that always give – yeah, but the the thing about it, though, is that for whatever reason, Rex Ryan gives Bill Belichick fit, and so does the Miami Dolphins. So we can say whatever we want. For that matter, the New York Jets do as well. They beat them last year, and they played them close to the other one. And I think the New York Jets – were the Buffalo Bills lost away from making the playoffs. The biggest thing for the New York Jets is how are they going to – their emphasis, as well as Miami's and Buffalo's, is to right now get a lead to win as many games as they can before Brady comes back because when he comes back, he's going to be on fire. The Jets right now, in my opinion – will not win the division. I still think it'll be New England Patriots. Real quick tidbit for you guys in New York Jets. Two division titles in 46 years. Let that sink in for a second. New England Patriots. That's horrible coffee. That's like straight black coffee with no cream. It's horrible. I don't even drink coffee. coffee. I know it's it's, horrible. And it's cold. That's day-old black coffee that's been sitting on the countertop. That's what that is. Ow. Oh. That's a discounted, that's, discounted that, five that cents no longer, coffee right there that nobody right, wants. That no longer becomes coffee at that point. It's called sludge. It sounds like yeah, something right. that you get out of a hospital. Uh, <laughs> that's mean. That's so mean. But that's I would awful. say they have upside. I, th- I still think the Jets oh, have yeah. an upside. They'd be number two. Big time. Number two probably. Uh, Buffalo number yeah, they, three, they, and then and Miami is just—I don't know. Miami is just up and down. They're just seesaw. They what? They so go week consistent. to week. They're, yeah, they go week to week. Is, like you never know what team. You never know which team or which Tannehill you're going to yeah. see show up. Their, their exactly. problem is they have Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback. That's their biggest yeah. problem. Yeah. Please, just don't turn into Miko Grimes' wife with with with, with bashing <laughs> Tannehill. Because oh, she's in now. <laughs> Grimes is in Tampa now. So yeah, oh, but that hasn't stopped Miko yet. Yeah, but that hasn't stopped oh, no. Miko yet. <laughs> nothing. Nothing stops Miko Grimes. Nothing. N- not so at all. If we go to the South, um, is it Houston at this point? Is it Indianapolis? Is it Jacksonville? I mean, there's, it's really a, it's really a toss-up here in this division. I mean, well, there's yeah, a lot of good yeah, teams. Up and coming, Jacksonville. Houston can get back with – we don't know what Osweiler is going to do in Houston. We know the dual no. threats and the maturity in Jacksonville. Uh, Andrew Luck in, in, uh, in, with the Colts, uh, stable, stable coaching staff there. So, you know, that could be a good factor there. But um, 
and Mariota coming off that injury too. Well, the Jaguars are so bland. I mean, the Jaguars have. I mean, Blake Bortles, I like, but but the but the Jaguars have been so nondescript for so long. I honestly don't even know what their identity is. The well, Colts, they're, they're, the I'm sorry, Colts, go ahead. No, I was going to say, well, the Colts, of course, yeah. We got Andrew Luck, who I'm thinking is Andrew Luck, but he's so um, he still doesn't take care of the ball. The Houston Texans are going to be an unknown right now. And Mariota, you know, he's still trying to find his way as well and coming off that injury too. So, this is another this is another top of division, but believe it or not, I'm, I'm going Colts just because I'm going with the leadership of Andrew Luck. Um, well, I am going to be the contrarian once again, and I am going to pick the Jacksonville Jaguars, and this is why. Last year, Blake Bortles, he threw for 35 touchdown passes. Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, best duo in the NFL at, at wide receiver. You've just added Chris Ivory, who was a pounder that they got from the, the Jets. And then you mix that in, um, you know, with the defense that they're getting back Dante Fowler, who was out for the season. They got Malik Jackson from Denver. Uh, they got a bunch of pass rushes down there. They, they've added so many pieces on defense. They look to be formidable on both sides of the ball. You already know they can score points. I'm just waiting to see if they can put it all together. But do not sleep on the Tennessee Titans. The identity that they've established with, with um, Malarkey, with Mariota running the, ball, running the ball and being a pass-throw threat, but you also have DeMarcus Murray, I mean DeMarco Murray, and then you have the Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama last year, Derrick Henry, who looked completely unstoppable. In, in the preseason, this team is going to pound, 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 and there's not going to be a whole lot of teams that can stand up to that pounding. Look out for the Tennessee Titans. I'm not really sold on Indianapolis because I think they turn the ball over too much, and who knows how Andrew Luck's uh, health is going to be. I'm with you. I think Tennessee is the sleeper, and I think they have the opportunity. They 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 did pretty well, good things in the offseason. I mean, you got Mariota in year two, who looked really good, like you said, in preseason. Uh, the run game should carry them. Um, I mean, I, I think this is probably the best team in the division. If they, if they can compete within the division, uh, their defense should be really good. And so uh, I think Tennessee probably the sleeper, but the favorite for me, uh, right next to Jacksonville. And then I would probably the, – the Texans – sort of give me this feeling where you know they get picked but they didn't nev- they never own up to it and so I mean that's my scary part there's like a, a, it's all going to be a question mark defensively we know they always can bring it because they got Watt and company but uh, it's going to be the quarterback as a question mark there and I, I really think Tennessee the sleeper may win the division at this favorite to win the division then Jacksonville second as an up-and-coming or Tex or Houston as number two but uh, Indianapolis just doesn't seem to me like they're going to be as stable. But um, so I would say I'm taking uh, the same way, Troy. I'll be I'll, I'm taking Tennessee for this division. Oh wow, we're each taking a different team for the AFC South. Oh, this is going to be really Absolutely. fun. So at this point, uh, the West, we're going Raiders all the way because my neighbors are Raider fans all the way, and they've already started their. Uh, Darth Vader mentality. 
so I'm, 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 I guess I'm, the silver and black feeling aura around me is so great that I think Oakland's in the mix. Yeah. Well, right. I said they were one of my sleeper teams. I, I really did. I called them as I called them for one of my sleeper teams. But I honestly think that um, it's going to be a toss up this year between the Raiders and the Chiefs because I really just like what Andy Reid is doing over there. And even though, you know, we didn't think much of him last year, I'm excited about seeing him reunited with Nick Foles. And Nick Foles will make a nice backup behind. Um, Alex Smith. So I'm on, I'm torn between the Raiders and the Chiefs. Um, I, I just think with the Chiefs, I love the way that they, I love the way that they play football. I mean, that's 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 Rock'em Sock'em right there. I mean, you got Jamal. They're Charles, not flashy. You got Spencer. That's Wells, a good thing. They're not flashy got, at all. Yeah, you got Jamal Charles, you got Spencer Ware, you got Sharkandrick West, and then you got Alex Smith, who's throwing to, you know, Macklin. And you also have to keep in mind um, that you have Travis Kelsey out there, who also came in his own last year. So they can move the ball. The, the defensive side is the part that worries me about the Chiefs because they're going to be missing, you know, their, their pretty much best player uh, maybe for the first six weeks of the, uh, of the season. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they equip themselves, but they, they kind of bore teams to death. The sexy pick right now is the Raiders because the way Derek Carr, you expect Amari Cooper to, put, to push himself into the upper echelon, and then also um, their defensive side. Oh, my God, Khalil Mack. I mean, wow. To me, he's the second-best pass rusher in the NFL, and I just think he's really going to be unstoppable. I'm – gonna make a toss up here I'm gonna say it's gonna be the Denver Broncos again I think Denver's gonna take it I just think their defense is too tough I think these guys are gonna repeat as a division champions wow Troy you threw like right and left and then went back to center <laughs> Stuff that. I mean, if I'm you can see my face right now because I'm my head is turned to the side and well, yeah, okay. and then he went back straight. The, the I way I look ready. at it is this. The, the way I look at it is this. Trevor Simeon is going to be playing better than Peyton Manning did last year. Peyton Manning was the absolute worst quarterback in the NFL. I know it was Peyton Manning, but he was awful. He you was the worst rated guy. Me. He was nine touchdowns, and, and he had 17 interceptions. Right. They're going to get better right. play out of their quarterback this year. And I think that defense is still going to so be I, the same – they're the class of the division. You, you really, so your point is Denver really isn't going to be an issue because the quarterback isn't really in the mix of anything because defensively they're they're stout and offensively they just got to run the ball technically. So they can win with that formula. They've done it. They did it last year with uh, Manning yep. and um, Osweiler just staying upright. So they don't need they to have a it. real flat. You know they don't need to have a quarterback. I mean they'll they'll throw it just to keep teams honest. You know, but they don't need to be spectacular. They don't need to go all up That's and down what I mean, the field yeah. like Peyton Manning two years ago. So, yeah, I, I just think Charlie yeah, yeah. Simeon is going to play much better than what they had last year there. The Chiefs kind of worry me because Andy's formula has always been that, even with Philadelphia, it's always been a decent result and maybe a playoff run, but never really anything beyond that. I mean, they play just solid football. They just play a good brand of football where they're going to get their 10 wins and and maybe try to get into the playoffs and stuff, but it doesn't seem like they're – I mean, Alex Smith 
has evolved from his days in San Francisco, but it just doesn't seem like they're the team to go over. The Raiders excite me uh, because, like, Troy, your point, uh, they have, you know, the Cooper and Carr connection, and then they all ha- they have the defense. If Del Rio can maximize the talent uh, and get a, a defense that can, you know, wow everybody, then Oakland will be probably right there next to Denver. As long as nobody picks San Diego, we can all get along. Oh, come on. you got to be on drugs to pick San Diego right now. Seriously. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're awful. They're awful. No, they're Tell awful. The river, and, and, go to the river. Tell the river, come on. And that's really too bad because he's another one who people don't like him because of his personality, but you get past the personality and you look up his numbers. And, and just if you were to take his name away from the stats, people would have a totally different opinion about what he's done in San Diego. And you kind of really wanted him. Okay, so you wanted him until he showed who he was personality-wise to do well because he was the underdog. I mean, you got to think about it. That whole Rivers with Manning trade left a bad taste in his mouth, and he has always had that chip on his shoulder that he had something to prove. And I think a lot of that has come off in his performance on the sideline. But if you look, Philip Rivers really deserved a better opportunity than what he's got. He's one of those quarterbacks that you wish, just from the numbers, you know, had had an opportunity to perform better and go further. And, you know, they've knocked on the door a couple of times, but he never could get to the big dance. Yeah, and that's 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 what I'm saying. It's like it's disappointment in San Diego all the time. It's it's something that always happens, and uh, I mean, it's just that's the way it is. It's always been that way under that tutelage. So I mean, you, they got good players. It's just they can't seem to put it together. And even when the Raiders were bad, they still couldn't get you know beyond being third in the division. So I, I just I just don't think they have it in them at this point. They just uh, assuming you know they don't. Um, so I'm taking. I will, uh, I will take. I guess what my neighbors say would be the best team in California right now, which would be the Raiders. I will say this though. I think Melvin Gordon, this year he becomes an absolute star. I think he vaults himself into the top six or seven running backs in the league. Yeah, I agree. I think that's fair. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, there's no question there. Um, uh, are we leaving? Akisha, are you staying? Because we're going to run into Legends now. We're going to go into Legends and then do the women's recap since we got about about 20 minutes left here. No, then, we uh, are we are shutting down for the evening, unfortunately. Um, all right. At, 10, at 10.30, it's time to turn into a pumpkin. But I am looking forward to next week. And then after that, I have to go through my little hiatus because the little people and I are performing in the College of Southern Maryland's fall children production. And unfortunately, rehearsal times are going to be running right up against um, show time. So once we get past the show, then about mid-October, we will be back. And yours truly is the one and only Jadis, Queen of Narnia. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I'm excited. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I'm very excited to do the production of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And, again, I love it because it's just really good quality family time and to be able to, you know, do this with your kids. A lot of people don't have that opportunity to do activities with their children. They're always doing activities for their children, you know, running them here, running them here. And now it's something that we get to do together, and I I love the family bonding time that it gives us. So sorry that you guys will – I'll be popping in and out sporadically over the next – eight weeks, but just know that when I'm not there, I'm with you guys in spirit. Awesome. We'll keep sharing our podcast like everybody else does, and we'll we'll, uh, look forward to when you send in. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Good night. Have a great night. All right, right, Troy, we're going to go to Legends, and then we'll finish up with the women's recap uh, at the top of the hour here. Let's uh, let's go on to Legends. It's, it was going to be uh, Atlanta Steam taking on Chicago Bliss. It was the rematch of the last game of the season where um, the Bliss had beaten um, come from behind win against Atlanta 30, and that was at Toyota Park. I'm going to play a little bit thing of uh, Dakota Hughes before the game started um, and before the, the matchup started. So let's go into that for right now. And so Troy, great pregame speech, hyped up. I just feel bad for her because she was the one that caused pretty much the downfall at the end with uh, another interception in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I got, I feel for her, you know what I mean? Great quality. She's an awesome, awesome woman, awesome player. And so somehow she just made another mistake towards there in the fourth quarter that they could have capitalized on, on a close game and sort of just, that's what happened. They, they, you know, once again, they fall short and now they, they have been beaten almost seven times in a row and they were beaten because they either didn't know how to punch it and, cram it in because they allowed the bliss to come back even with the 25 point lead i mean this was just i don't know the loss this loss was even probably more so than the previous week's loss because this one was even closer um i saw the you know the interception uh that you know dakota hughes threw i think that was you know, she threw one early in the third quarter as well. And then you also had Brittany Demery who fumbled inside the red zone. They just found a way to lose that game. I mean, they just – everywhere you looked around, I mean, they just they just figured a way to lose the game. I, I just – it was it was unbelievable just to watch them collapse like that. And, you know, you know to, to go into the half the way that they did, you know, scoring a touchdown with 3.1 seconds left. Or it actually was zero seconds on the clock. They threw the ball. You know, they, they snapped the ball with three seconds left, and they scored a touchdown on basically a Hail Mary. And to watch them squander that lead, it was it was tough to watch, man. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't deny that, man. I mean, just because I know how much they put into that. But you got to take your hat off to that Chicago team. And, again, it comes down to leadership. You know, Coach Hack and and uh, Chris Del Harris and wow, I mean, just the way that they came back and they they just they they put they put everything into that, and then the next thing you knew, they were up. 
And so, you know, to to their credit, and Coach Hack was, you know, trying to keep everybody calm on the sideline. And then he said in the beginning of the fourth quarter, he said, this team knows they're going to fold. He said they know it. Right? And, and, and you can you can tell. You can see it. And to watch him say that, it was almost him being prophetic to, to you know, to, to watch them just fold under the pressure like that. It, it was just amazing. Yeah, it was it, it it was one of those moments where uh you were watching things so unfold in in the sense that they were just not playing their best in the second half. I mean, they they literally owned the first half. Petrusulo, Ziegler, I mean, the run game was there. Everything was working for them and Chicago was basically just getting hammered. They were getting hammered. And and to put up 25 points and completely stall uh, I mean that it was just so shocking, and then to ha- not as a fan, you saw it the week before. <laughs> so as an Atlanta Steam fan, you're like literally scratching your heads. You're like, what is going on here? You know what I mean? It's just like crazy. Yeah, and it just it just seemed like no matter what they chose, they, they just went wrong. You know, um, they would throw the ball and you know get a turnover. So you say, you know what? Let's go back to our bread and butter. Let's give the ball to Brittany Demmer. She's pounding, 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 getting the red zone fumbles also. Hey, look, we can't trust her. Let's go ahead and throw the ball. Throw the ball, get an interception in the fourth quarter. Whatever they did, it just didn't work. I just I, – I, this is – and someone, you know, the, the announcers alluded to Red Sox-Yankees. Me being a Red Sox fan, completely understood that. Completely understood. I just got – for the life of me, I couldn't understand why we can't get past the, the Yankees. And then when it finally broke through, I mean, you're talking about it was euphoria. So when is Atlanta going to get that one? In 2017, trust what I say. Do they play? I, I believe they do play because they're in the, they're in the same, they're both in the East. So they're going to play. That's already circled on their calendar. That's circled on Atlanta's calendar. Can they go ahead and, and, and get rid of the curse? Because that's what it is right now. I mean, you, you can't have a game like that and not say it's not a curse. I believe in curses completely. And to watch that let me, let me uh, definitely a curse. Let me go back to where your point was and just listen in right now. Hold on. You you said it, and there it is. There's the quote from the coach. <laughs> he already knew that the, the the there was fear on the other side. You know what I mean? He already had that in. Yeah. And for him to go in there and say, "Stop their big player and go in there and just do your job," they are scared. <laughs> and so uh, I mean, yeah. like that was just, you know, he, he was like, it's like it's like uh, what do you call it? A uh, uh, predicting uh, on a predicting ball. You know, when it was. One of those uh, mirror balls. He he he's too good of a coach to understand that when you're up by 25 and you're getting your ass whooped, and all of a sudden this other team somehow is giving you an opportunity to come back. He is not one of those coaches that doesn't put the the pedal to the metal. He's one of those coaches that says we will end this now. <laughs> and so that's good. his mentality. Exactly. Good teams take advantage of your mistakes. That's what they do, and that's what Chicago is. They're 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 a great team. 
I mean, they they took advantage of every single mistake that Atlanta made in the second half. And and, and to, to think on the player side, Troy, just dissect the player side at this point, just to assume on the player side the mentality. I mean, I'm talking Purnell, Ziegler, uh, Petrozulo, uh, and even more so, um, you know, Dakota Hughes. When you start putting that aspect of it in there, uh, it's got to be in their head. You know what I mean? They've got to be in their head because they start the game off with a lot of bravado and a lot of attitude. And, you know, showmanship, you know, when they first went up for 20 by 25, they were like, you know, taunting Chicago. You know what I'm saying? They, they were just putting Chicago on a taunt mode. Uh, and then, you know, when they started getting the momentum in the second half, Barkley, for the most part, really played it, played it safe. You know, didn't make mistakes as crucial, didn't have to do much work, let the running game go. You said it at the beginning of the year they were holding Crystal Harris for these type of games. And coach hack basically knew that this was going to be one of those games that they needed. And then he obviously challenged uh, his two top defensive fronts, which is uh, Joshie Rice and Chantel Taylor, along with uh, uh, Kim Perez to step up and put the pressure on the quarterback. And they, 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 they did it in the second half. I mean, to get shut out literally for two quarters after the, after the half, when you're up by 25, that's, like, devastating. Big time. Big time. And what they did, and that's another thing that great teams do, they adjust. They adjust to what you've done. And, and it didn't seem like that Atlanta had a bad game play. It was just poor in the execution. And they were just they – were, they were literally sloppy with the football. And when you're sloppy with the football, you're going to lose games. You, you cannot turn a ball over that many times a win, especially against when you're playing against a good team. And if you're in the playoffs, that's who you're playing against. You're playing against a good team. And I just, you know, it's inexplicable. I don't know how to, just to, to lose like that. What Psychologically, I don't understand. I don't, it's going to be difficult for them to come back from that. I mean, obviously they're going to have to play. And, but geez, I mean, that, that's just, that's, that, that's got to be hurtful. Extremely hurtful. Here's, here's, Here's what happened in the fourth quarter uh, of that game that we're talking about, 30-25 to 25 with about, uh, I think, 40-something seconds left. Um, and it was Dakota Hughes' play. Here we go. From the shotgun, looking to the end zone, lobbing it up. And intercepted. Lamar Fennell hitting the ball against the board, which is completely legal. So there you go, Troy. I mean, that is going to be the re- the highlight reel repeat for Atlanta for the whole season, pretty much. Yeah, and I, and I, I just I feel sick for Dakota Hughes. Um, tough, tough, tough play right there. But she just, I mean, number one, she made a bad decision. But you know what it eerily was reminiscent of? is It was a reminiscent of when the Seahawks were in the Super Bowl and they should have given it to Marshawn Lynch. 
and they oh, throw yeah. the ball, and then they threw. It was just so reminiscent of that, and it's just like you're overthinking it. You Allah have Russell Wilson, you, right? Yeah, exactly. And you had one of the biggest running backs in the LFL. You give her the ball at the one yard line. Come on, man! It's a touchdown. What are you doing? Just give her the so, ball. I know she fumbled. So Troy, give her the ball. Troy, is Atlanta's inept to win against Chicago really more on Dane Robinson and his coaching staff? Uh, you can't say that because you know what? Their their the player's job is to execute. You know, he called the plays, and their their job is to execute, and they executed poorly, absolutely poorly. Even when they gave the ball to Demery early in that, um, well, late in the fourth quarter, she fumbled, you know, in the red zone also. So maybe that kind of went into his way of thinking. But at the end of the day, you she did not have to throw the ball <laughs> into traffic. She could have put it right into the stands. She could have threw it as hard as she could right into the stands. And she decided to try to fit it in there. And it, it wasn't even her trying to fit it in. She lobbed it up. I mean, you, you, honestly, and I, you know, I hate to be so critical, but she could have Kareem, you know, skyhooked it in there. It would have been the same result, you know. So I, I just, yeah, I yeah. don't know. It was, it was, it was inexplicable to, to watch. To, what to? I just want to know what went into that decision making to throw that pass. The one thing that I took away from this at halftime, Coach Hack says uh, was asked. Uh, what are we going to do now? And so his at response is, we're going out there to win the game. Because <laughs> the reporter That's said, all you can you're do. down by 25. You're, you're down by 25, and uh, what, do you, what do you think you're going to be able to do here? We're going out there to win the game. Because <laughs> I got two quarters go. to play. <laughs> so <laughs> right. his mindset the whole time, his whole, his whole mindset the whole time was to win the game, <laughs> even though he was down yeah. 25 points. And if you look back on that, man, you know, I hate to say it, but it looked like Atlanta was already celebrating. They were high-fiving each other, all smiles on the sideline. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, for a team that's come back on you as many times and just, you know, ripped your guts out as Chicago has done to Atlanta, I wouldn't have been happy at all. I would have been like, wipe the smile off your face. We need to refocus. Let's get back in it. But, you know, I mean, I that's just one part of it. I, I felt like, you know, they, they, they maybe felt like they had it in the bag. So, Troy, you watched uh, Atlanta all season. The only two competitive teams that they faced, or the only teams that they faced, or two co- two competitive matches that they faced was against Chicago. The other ones were yep. no contest. There was a, a freebie against New England that never got played. And then the, the oh, Omaha Hart, 77 to 0. So when you look at that, they were they were really the two games against Chicago were the battle test games, and the conference championship was the battle test game, and they failed both tests, and they failed both tests terribly because they were both up by two quarters by big scores in both of those games. So that's what I'm saying. It's like these the the you know the the Adrian Pernells, uh, the Zieglers, the the Dakota Hughes, uh, Demerys. Everybody offensively on that on that team, even defensively, Coco Montgomery played pretty decent. But what I'm saying is, they got so cocky for for two quarters that they just assumed they had won it then, and they forgot there was still two quarters left. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, it was it, you look back at that, you know, at the end of that second, at the end of that first half, they were all smiles and celebrating and dancing and you know, have fun. I'm all for it. 
but you still got a job to do. You know? So I just I just think Atlanta lost focus. I think by the time they realized what was going on, they looked up and it was twenty five to twenty four. And they said, Wait a minute, this is we got a we got a we got a football game here. And, you know, then it became a little bit too late. I got to give ads off to uh, Barkley, um, Jacinda Barkley. I mean, the uh, the Aussie, just amazing season so far. Amazing season. And she punched it in at the end at Legends Cup, which we'll watch next week and we'll, uh, we'll recap as well. But congratulations to her. Uh, congratulations to the Bliss. They went on to uh, Arizona for Legends Cup, and they beat um, – they beat Seattle, and we'll we'll recap that game. Uh, and sort of the same concept with Seattle, they just they didn't take Chicago, you know, seriously enough, and they end up at the end uh, on you know one or two mistakes ended up costing them the game as well. So uh, Chicago finds a way to win the Eastern Conference. They find a way to bounce back against in Legends Cup against Seattle. So yeah, give credit, Coach Hack. I mean, that's just. Uh, there's not enough, enough of praise for him. He's obviously – he's probably the best coach in Legends Football League right now in the last, you know, five years, even even before that, but more more so in the last five years. He's won, I think, three out of four so far. So, I mean, that just right there, that tells you. And he had to retool wow. this year because Heather Furr left his main quarterback for the last two or three years. She left. And then you had to plug in a new quarterback. And, you know, hats off to uh, Mark White out there, the offensive coordinator, to plug in Jacinda Barkley. And Jacinda Barkley has played tremendous. And then the key was for them not to even wear and tear on um, Dell Harris, as you mentioned, against, uh, you know, competition that wasn't really that big of a deal, except for against Seattle. That was the only game she really played durable. Uh, against Omaha, She was it, it was really like a tune-up, like you said. And then she, she, she was fresh and ready for uh, – for um, Atlanta, and then you, you know AJ Johnson uh, on on that aspect of, as well played pretty good game. Also in Legends Cup, she played a really good game. So um, yeah, I mean hats off to the the Blitz at this point for their amazing um, amazing finish in the Eastern Conference. So they went, they go ahead and they won 30 to 25, and they moved on to face obviously the Seattle Mist, who had won 44 to six against the Dallas Desire, which we recapped last week. So if you missed it. Um, get the podcast from last week and you can replay uh, Troy's comments as well as our conversation about the Western conference. So uh, we got a couple minutes here left and let's go into the uh, women's recap. And I know you don't have it in front of you, but I'll go, I'll go grease through it and give you an overview on it. So we're going to go to Germany right now. Germany's in the semi uh, semifinal start next week. Uh, last game of the season in uh, the Budenz Liga. Um, if I'm pronouncing it right, and I'll just do DBLA. Uh, Group A, the Berlin Cobras, the seven-time uh, German champions, uh, seven-time German champions, and last year's champ as well. They won seven in a row, and uh, last year they won one in a row, so it's actually eight, so I'm, I correct myself. So eight-time uh, German champions, uh, the Berlin Cobras. They went ahead and ousted to zero the Hamburg Amazons for the last game of the season, so they secure their spot in the playoffs. The uh, Group A, second, the second Group A team, second place, Mays Golden Eagles. They took care of the Kyle um, Kiel ba- Baltic Hurricanes, 20-0, to zero, also in a shutout. Sets up the semifinals coming up, I believe, September 11th and 12th, uh, September 10th and 12th, uh, 10th and 11th, if I can get my words out here. 
Um, it's going to be DBL, DBLA uh, semifinals. Berlin Cobras taking on the Mays, Maine's Golden Eagles in one of the matchups. The uh, Group B matchups was Munchen uh, uh, Rangers 29, uh, I believe 29 to uh, 19-0 against Stuttgart um, Scorpions. And then the other matchup was uh, Clarosheim Hurricanes. I'm not, this is bad for me, German. I can't even pronounce these. Clarosheim Hurricanes versus the Munich Cowboys. So they won 20 to 0 as well. So the playoff matchup is going to be Clarosheim versus Munchen. So the winner of those two matchups will go to the um, Ladies Bowl the, in Berlin. And that's going to be in September 27th. And then the uh, second league, double A, the double second league, the Cologne Falconets will take on the uh, Shamrocks. And so uh, those, those will be the games on there. And we'll have actual previews and we'll get some uh, insights as well as we go getting closer to the playoffs. So that's in the German swing of things. And then as we go to Gridiron Queensland, uh, through three weeks of Gridiron Queensland, we'll start in there. The Jets defeated the Ravens in week one, 46-28. Uh, they took care of the Thunder 44 to 6 in week 2 and last week the Jets ended up beating the Saints 36 to 0. So this is a, a Jets team uh Troy that is uh, firing on all cylinders. They're not going to be able to face they're not they're, they're real competition and I mean real by the fact that a veteran team competition. They're not going to be facing a real competition in terms of facing the Stingrays until October 29th. So at this point, it looks like they could run the table, and we could see that as a, uh, a rematch there. Uh, that's, that's when they'll face each other as well, the Stingrays uh, and the Jets. So it's, we have to wait a little bit until next month. The other matchup is Thunder defeated the Raptors 72-0 to in week one. They, they go ahead and uh, fall, obviously, to the Jets in the second week, so they go one and one. And then in the third week, this past week, they uh, basically um, got defeated 36-20 to 20, uh, versus Bayside Ravens. Bayside Ravens was the, uh, the story of last year, 2015. New squad, new team. They, they did an amazing job last, last year of, of going to the championship. So, and then let's look at the Ravens. The Ravens lose week one against the Jets, 46-28. Then they take on uh, the Ravens defeat the Spartans, 26-14. And so, and then they obviously defeated uh, the Thunder 36-20. So they're basically in, I believe, third place right now. The Stingrays defeated the Saints in the historic 102-0 victory in week one, which is uh, it's a, basically a big, big record for them. Stingrays defeated the Raptors in a forfeit in week two. So they get the win. So it's 2-0 for them. It's a pretty easy win on a forfeit. And then they go to... Uh, this coming week, which is uh, week five, which is uh, September 10th, they're going to be taking on the Spartans, which should be a good, uh, pretty easy win for them. We'll see how the Spartans can rebound. The Spartans have uh, struggled at this point. Uh, week two, uh, they lost 26-14, and then uh, they won last week, one and one. They defeated the Raptors 34 to eight. So they're coming off a good win, uh, putting up 34 points. Now they got to face the big time Stingrays. And the Ravens will take on the Lowly Saints, which put up a good competition in uh, the second week uh, coming into it. So we'll see how the Saints do. I mean, they've been shut out two weeks in a row, but they've played tough. And then Thunder taking on Raptors. Uh, the Raptors are winless pretty much at this point. 
uh, in the season. They've been outscored 72-0, to 34-8, and the forfeit in Week 2. So this coming weekend, September 10th, it's going to be Ravens versus Saints, Stingrays versus Spartans, and Thunder versus Raptors in Gridiron, Queensland. In the um, Gridiron New South Wales um, game, Week 1 was actually called off because of weather and the, and the um, field was bad. So we're looking at uh, week two. It's going to be um, the, the UNCW Raiders. We're taking on Newcastle Cobras. And then you have the Northwestern Phoenix. We're taking on the UTS Gators. And that uh, all the updates will be on our Facebook page and our Twitter. And we'll keep tabs on that and then update you as the results come in. And then the Mexican swing, the Mexican games, uh, there's going to be some uh, um, lingerie league, uh, leagues. They're playing, and we'll go get, get those updates. Uh, LFB out of Cancun, as well as WFL uh, Interliga, taking on CFL. And so we'll keep updates those on our Facebook page. So, um, you know, uh, Troy, it's, in, in Germany, it's, it's kind of a hotbed because it's the semifinals now. So that's going to be great to, to keep tabs on on our Facebook page as well. And then uh, Grand Queensland in hot, hot pursuit here. Uh, can't wait for the Jets and Stingrays to meet in October. Um, so a little, a lot more women's action happening, and we'll keep updated on Twitter and also on Facebook. So, good stuff. Definitely keep my eyes on it and uh, checking out and see how everything pans out in the next week. Yeah, and uh, Queensland is basically uh, what we're keeping up on, and New South Wales all during the NFL season. So, um, Troy, awesome show. We've got college football in the mix. We got NFL talk. And then we obviously had L, uh, Legends Football League. We'll recap Legends Cup next week right here on uh, Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. And uh, we'll give our insights there. And so, and then the women's recaps at this point should be coming up. It's going to be the uh, German League finals, uh, semifinals coming up. It's going to be Berlin Cobras taking on Maine's Golden uh, Eagles, as well as Clarence Hurricanes taking on the Munchen Rangers for the right to go to the Lady Bowl in Berlin. And in Division Two, it's Cologne Falconet versus the Shamrocks for the division title there. And so we'll keep everybody up to date on our Twitter page. Thank you, everybody, for making us the number one Twitter site for covering women's football on social media. Number one, and I'm so proud and excited. Uh, thank you for making us number one. Keep, uh, keep uh, sharing our posts about women's gridiron and um, girls play American football, and they play no joke. Make sure you go to our Zazzle shop. You get the information right there on our screen uh, on our live podcast, Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can always use the code ORDERSHIP10 to get 10% off. So, uh, daily deals are at Zazzle, so if you get more than 10% off, please use the daily code there to take advantage of the sales. And uh, so it's going to be great this coming season. Uh, we're talking NFL, college, I mean, it just, it's week to week. Can't wait. Week one coming up. Can't wait for my Rams to punch it in. I, I'm just, I hope they punch it in because I would be mad if they don't. They got to punch <laughs> it in. This week. Yeah, my uh, Redskins are going to be at home on Monday night at 7 p.m. They're going to be playing the one and only Pittsburgh Steelers, who travel very well and will likely be taking over FedEx Field. Uh, I'm hoping to disappoint the entire lot of them. I hope my Redskins come out and win, and I think we will win the game. So I'm going to be looking forward to it. Cannot wait to watch this game. Opening NFL weekend in two days. We get Carolina-Denver. Cannot wait to watch that game. 
So if you want to follow Troy, it's at, at Troy under uh, Troy um, at Troy Wilson underscore one for all the college uh, insights as well as he's following uh, college football and that's going to be uh, I believe Friday, right? College football Friday and Saturday. Absolutely. So stay on, stay on top of that, and then obviously uh, game day on Sunday and Monday night football, and as well as Thursday night football uh, at Troy Wilson underscore one. You can always go to at Gridiron Beauty to follow us. And uh, Kishi's Cuties at Kishi's Cuties on uh, Twitter as well. So for Oscar Lopez and Kishi Free and for Troy Wilson, it's been an awesome show. Thank you for listening. Share our podcast and with everybody, and let's get the word out. Girls play American football, and they play no joke. Catch you next week right here on Block Talk Radio, UltimateSportsTalk.com. See you guys.